If you have your Bibles, may I encourage you to take them and turn to Galatians. Galatians chapter 4. This morning I want to share something with you that by far is the strongest force in the universe. It is higher than the highest mountain. It is deeper than the deepest sea. It is better than a new cell phone. It is better than a $500 gap gift certificate. It is better than a box of chocolates and a dozen red roses. I'm trying to capture you all here this morning. It is better than new power tools or a big TV screen or a remote car starter. It is better than catching the biggest fish. It is better than a hot bath with candles and a good book. It is better than losing 30 pounds. It is better than a baby that sleeps all night, toddlers who don't whine, elementary kids who like being with their siblings, teenagers who are appreciative and cooperative, college students who make up for not being able to pay their tuition by helping around the house, young adults who phone mom twice a week, a spouse who appreciates how hard you work and how hard and difficult your role is. It's even better than grandkids who visit often and always give you a hug and kiss even when they're 16 years old. It is better than a full belly, a full refrigerator, a full bank account. It is better than a clean house, a clean car, and even a clean conscience. And today I want to tell you a little bit about it. Let's go to Galatians chapter 1, or chapter 4, pardon me, verse 1. And if you have your app on your phone, if you don't have that Bible with you, that's fine. May I encourage you to take your Bible, though. It's always good to outline and underline different things. There is an outline, not an outline, but notes. If you want to take that in your bulletin, may I encourage you to do so. Let's see what Paul here has to say to the church in Galatia. Chapter 4, verse 1. What I am saying is that as long as the heir is a child, he is no different from a slave, although he owns the whole estate. He is subject to guardians and trustees until the time set by his father. So also, when we were children, we were in slavery 
but under the basic principles of the world. But when the time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under law, to redeem those under the law, that we might receive the full rights of sons. Because you are sons, God sent the spirit of his sons into our hearts, the spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. So you're no longer a slave, but a son. And since you are a son, God has also made you an heir. The gifts of God. We've been walking towards Christmas by thinking about each week about one of the gifts God has given us in his son Jesus Christ. The first week, we talked about the gift of hope. Hope because now God is with us constantly. He never leaves us nor forsakes us. And then we talked about peace between God and us and between others and us. Last week we talked about joy. Of a delight in the life that runs deeper than pain or pleasure. Today, the last weekend before Christmas, I want to talk about one last gift. A gift that's greater than all the things you ask for from mom and dad. Greater than all the gifts under your tree. Even greater than all the desires of your heart. And I had a question here. Have you figured it out yet? And then I see that it's up there. I ran across this little story this past week as I put this together. It's called Two Babies in a Manger. It's quite impactful. In 1994, two Americans answered an invitation from the Russian Department of Education to teach morals and ethics based on biblical principles in the public schools. And they were invited to teach at prisons, businesses, the fire and police department, and a large orphanage in Russia. About 100 boys and girls who had been abandoned, abused, and left in the care of the government-run program were in this orphanage. And they relate the following story in their own words. It was nearing the holiday season, 1994, time for our orphans, orphans to hear for the first time, the traditional story of Christmas. We told them about Mary and Joseph arriving in Bethlehem. Finding no room in the inn, the couple went to a stable where the baby Jesus was born and placed in a manger. Throughout the story, the children and the orphans and his staff sat in amazement as they listened. Some sat on the edges 
of their stools, trying to grasp every word. Completing the story, we gave children three pieces of cardboard to make a crude manger. Each children, each child was giving, given a small piece of paper square cut from yellow napkin. That one person brought with them. No colored paper was available in the city, and so they used this yellow napkin. Following the illustrations, the children tore the paper and carefully laid strips in the manger of straw for straw. Square, small squares of flannel cut from worn-out nightgowns an American woman was throwing away as she left Russia was used for baby blankets. A doll-like baby was cut from a tan felt that we had brought with us from the United States. The orphans were busy assembling their manger, and as I walked among them to see if they needed any help, all went well until I got to one table where little Misha sat. He looked to be about six years old, and he had finished his project. As I looked at the little boy's manger, I was startled to see not one, but two babies in the manger. Quickly, I called for the translator to ask the lad why there was two babies in the manger. Crossing his arms in front of, in front of him and looking at his complete manger scene, the child began to repeat the story very seriously. For such a young boy, who had never only heard the Christmas story once, he related the happenings accurately, until he came to the part where Mary put the baby Jesus in the manger. And then Misha started to ad-lib. He made up his own ending to the story as he said this. And when Mary laid the baby in the manger, Jesus looked at me and asked if I had a place to stay. I told him, I have no mama or papa, and so I do not have a place to stay. And then Jesus told me that I could stay with him. Whenever I told him I could not because I do not have a gift to give to him as everyone else did, however, I wanted to stay with Jesus so much. So I thought about it what I had that maybe I could give and use for a gift to Jesus. I thought maybe if I keep him warm, that would be a good gift. And so I asked Jesus, if I can keep you warm, will that be good enough gift? And Jesus told me, if you keep me warm, that will be the best gift anybody ever gave me. And so I got into the manger. And then Jesus looked at me and told me that I could stay with him always. As little Misha finished the story, his eyes brimmed with full of tears that splashed down his cheeks. Putting his hand over his face, his head dropped to the table. His shoulders shook with sobering. 
as he sobs and sobs. You see, the little orphan had found someone who would never abandon him nor abuse him, someone who would stay with him forever, for always. Now do you know what the greatest gift of all is? If we go back to Galatians chapter 4, verse 4 and 5, tell us, but when the time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under law, to redeem those under the law, that we might receive the full rights of sons. If you take your Bibles and you go to John 3.16. John 3.16, the greatest gift for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believed in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. You might be thinking that this greatest gift is Jesus. And you would be partially right. You would even be getting closer if you were thinking that this greatest gift is the invitation to be part of God's family. The invitation to become one of God's own children. Moreover, you'd be getting closest of all if you thought that the greatest gift of all is love. The love of God that sent Jesus to earth. And the love of God that invites us to become part of his family. You see, what made that first Christmas great to God is what God got to do. God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. Giving is what love does. Giving is how love is expressed itself. Giving is the heart of love. And therefore, giving is the heart of God. Giving is what God is into. And one thing that people don't understand about God is that God is not a taker, God is a giver. And this is the good news from the Bible. When Jesus was born, it was like the Father was so excited, like he had been anticipating this moment year after year, century after century, millennium after millennium. It was like he could not contain himself, and so he sent a whole sky full of angels Hey, earth, I cannot tell you what you're going to get because it's a secret, but it's a savior. And what made that first Christmas so great was that he got to give the best gift of all. He 
got to give the gift of a Savior to people who need it the most. Sinners like you and I. We needed that. That incredible gift. If for God were suddenly to appear right now and actually sit down next to you and turns and looks to you and looks straight into your eyes, do you know what he would say to you? Do you know what words would come out of his mouth? I don't know everything. I don't know what he would say, but I have a solid idea of what he would say first. My child, my precious child, I love you. How do you know that God would say that? Because that's the message that God has been trying to get through from the beginning of time. I love you is the message that God has, has been sending. In the Garden of Eden, he said it through the beauty of creation. By walking with Adam and Eve, by meeting their needs, even after they sinned. In the flood, he said it through the ark. In the bad times of the Old Testament, he said it by disciplining the Israelites in hope that they would learn the best way, the way of obedience. He said it in the manger. I love you. Here's my gift for you, my son. He said it on the cross. I love you. Here's my life of my son given for you. He said it through the resurrection. I love you. The penalty of sin is now paid. We can become a family once more. He said it to the first time. You and I accepted Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. I love you. I forgive you. I welcome you into my family. He says that each time we ask for forgiveness, I love you and I forgive you. And he wants to say that to you again today. Whether you're really excited about Christmas or maybe you're really struggling this Christmas, God wants you to know that it's really about one simple thing. It's about his love for you and I, for us. God so loved the world that he sent his one and only son. When the right time came, God sent his son so that he could adopt us as his very own children just like that little Russian orphan. The Christ child wrapped in blankets, lying in a manger, is God saying, I love you. 
I'm giving you my son so that you can become my children. This morning I leave this question for you. Have you experienced the love of God for you? Have you become his child? Adopted into his family? Welcome into his arms? Forgiven and accepted? Let me tell you, it's a simple thing to do. It's as easy as accepting a Christmas present under the tree with your name on it. Romans 6.23 says this, The gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. Romans 8.15-16 tell us, you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear, but you receive a spirit of adoption. And by him we cry out, Abba, Father. You see, the Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Have you accepted the love of God for you that longs to forgive you and adopt you? It's a gift that's freely offered. Jesus was born in a stable in Bethlehem so that we could be forgiven and welcomed into God's family. If you have experienced that love in the past, do you need to experience the love of God for you again today? Maybe it's been crowded out. Maybe life's situations have choked it out. Maybe you're stressed and discouraged and depressed, frantically worrying that the turkey may never thaw, or your spouse will forget to stop for that last present, or your kids will tear through all the gifts without appreciating all the love that comes with them. Or maybe you are lonely looking at all the families that are together and at least appearing happy and like everything is hunky-dory but you're lonely inside. Maybe you need to experience the depth of God's love for you again today. It's just as easy today as it was the first time. It's still offered, it's still free. The child in the manger offers it to you once again. Cutting through all the fuss, all the hype, all the buildup, you come to the heart of what it really is all about. Get past the shepherds, the angels, the wise men, the smelly stable. Look deeper than the birth of the holy child. Christmas is about the love of God that he sent his son. And he wants you and I to know that love. He wants our friends to know that love. He wants our family to know that love. May I encourage you 
as we continue to sit down with our family and friends, that we listen with our ears, that we open our heart, that we may hear this message that God wants us to hear. I love you. I love you so much that I sent my son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For I did not send my son into the world to condemn the world, but to save you through him. When the right time came, I sent my son so that I could adopt you to be my very own children. I love you. Let me just pray as the team comes up and closes us this morning in worship. Lord, thank you. Thank you for this incredible, incredible gift. The gift of your son. This demonstration of your love for us. Lord, thank you for that incredible love. Lord, if there be any here this morning that are lonely, that are hurting, that are depressed, that are happy, that are joyful, may we turn to you, Lord. May we reconnect with you in this credible gift of love that you've shown towards us. May we have that for our brothers and sisters, our family members, our friends that don't know you. Lord, may we want them to know this gift that you have given. We just pray and ask these things in your name.